Good morning, my beloved friends. I invite you to sit back, get comfortable, and listen this morning to a beautiful love story. It was a bright, crisp Sunday morning in November 1787 in the city of Philadelphia. Absalom Jones and his friends were headed into Sunday services and they had become accustomed to do over the years, attending St. George's Methodist Episcopal Church. What greeted them that morning was unexpected and would change their lives and by extension, our lives forever. Rather than being shown to the seats that had been designated for the black membership along the back wall of the sanctuary, they were told that they were now assigned to sit in the newly constructed upstairs gallery in the section designated for blacks only. You see, what had happened was Absalom, along with his friend Richard Allen, had been so successful in sharing the good news of the gospel with others that they had increased the black membership of the church to the point where the vestry made the decision to build a separate place for them to sit, to avoid the possibility of having whites having to mingle so closely with the blacks during worship. The service had already begun when they arrived that morning, and while this was being communicated to them by the usher, Absalom heard the minister begin to pray. Everyone in the group stopped listening to the instructions and instead, right where they were, knelt down to pray in the center of the aisle. During that, the ushers of the congregation tried to pull Absalom and others to their feet and escort them upstairs, but they refused to get up until the prayer was finished. At the conclusion of the prayer, together en masse, they stood up, turned around, walked out the door as a group, and never returned to that church again. Their response that morning is believed to have been one of the first protests of free blacks in America. That morning's events set a number of other events in motion, resulting in the establishment of the Free African Society. That society, led by Absalom Jones and Richard Allen, was the first black independent organization in America. It was established as a benevolent self-help empowerment group, ecumenical in nature, reaching out to serve the spiritual and physical needs of both free and enslaved Africans in Philadelphia. It grew in numbers and eventually voted to affiliate itself with the Protestant Episcopal Church of the United States, 
and Absalom Jones served as their first pastor. Then in 1794, seven years after that November morning at St. George's, the Episcopal Diocese of Pennsylvania accepted St. Thomas African Episcopal Church as the first African-American Episcopal parish in America. It would then take 10 more years, but with God's help, in 1804, Absalom Jones was ordained the first African-American to be ordained as a priest in the Protestant Episcopal Church. And for the rest of his ministry, Absalom Jones worked tirelessly for the causes of freedom and justice for all. I think this is a beautiful love story. Don't you? Think about it. It's definitely not the kind of love story that was told last week, maybe amidst the backdrop of Valentine's Day, or the kind of love story we might think of in the context of our own lives. But I want to suggest this morning that it is, at its core, a true love story. This is a powerful story pointing us and pulling us towards the kind of love that Jesus calls us to live out in our lives as followers of the way. It's the kind of love that gives flesh and bones to the word of the gospel mandate we just heard. Jesus' words are as simple as they are profound. Love one another as I have loved you. This is not the first time we hear these words in John's gospel. Two chapters earlier in John, Jesus washes the feet of his disciples, tells them that he is going away soon, and that they cannot follow. And then he tells them, perhaps after a moment of intentional silence, that the one thing, the one thing they absolutely must do in his absence, the one thing that will guarantee their identity as followers once he is gone, the one thing above all that is required of them is to love one another. Now, I don't know about you, but I think about this a lot. It's kind of a preoccupation of mine these days. I wonder all the time, what does it mean, really, to love one another? And if it is so important to those of us who follow Christ, honestly, why do we suck at it so bad so much of the time? As a child growing up in a family that traveled extensively all over the world because of my dad's profession, I was exposed to many different religious traditions, and each in its own way seemed to embrace some version of sacrificial, self-emptying love. My context informed my church, my choices, and my family influenced the life of faith that I followed on and off for years. But even when I wandered down different spiritual paths, what was clear to me was the need to find a way to live out the mandate to love one another. As a young adult, I wandered away from church because it felt like a place of politics and hypocrisy, a place where even Jesus wouldn't want to hang his hat most of the time, a place too concerned with who was in and who was out a place where worshiping things rather than serving Jesus through tending to the needs of others seemed to be the objective. 
a place where only certain people had a voice and a place of respect. Love seemed to have very little to do with the church that I experienced as a young adult. And now as a, well, less than adult, I still see us often dividing ourselves into precious affinity groups, all of us falling short much of the time from honoring this gospel imperative. This one small but all-encompassing mandate to figure out and then to do the work of loving one another. Frankly, I think much of the time we don't have a clue how to do this, and when we do, we often get scared and we pull back, afraid of offending or rocking the boat of the status quo or the powers that be. So where is the good news in all of this? If we can't make it up ourselves, what should we do? I believe these are the times when the stories like those of Absalom Jones and Richard Allen give us more than just a compelling narrative. They actually can become the lifeline and talisman that we need to garner courage and confidence. Absalom Jones's story is a love story because he let this kind of gospel love guide him and direct his feet. He faced rebuke and rejection by living out the kind of love willing to lay one's life down for another. Absalom allowed his love for truth and freedom to conquer what must have been fear on that Sunday morning in Philadelphia. He, like so many others in our history, found courage to resist the powers and temptations of conformity in this world and lived instead according to a kind of love that didn't yield to anything less and the full humanity, and the full freedom, and the full dignity of every person. The story of Absalom Jones we read alongside Jesus' mandate that we love one another has the power, I think, to inspire us today if we too are bold enough to resist the temptation to hear it as a quaint telling of days gone by. It will inspire us if we let it push us out of our comfort zones pull our heads out of the sands of complacency and see where and how the brutality of racism is still trying to kill acts of the Spirit every day all around us. Absalom shaped his response to the gospel and we are being summoned to do no less. The task of challenging the world through this kind of love will remain elusive until we wrap our heads and hearts around this mandate as our own to love one another. This is not an easy love or a love that comes without struggle. The work of loving each other as Jesus loves us is much harder, much messier, much more mind-boggling than I think we want to admit. This love that Jesus radiates and describes, as far as I can discern, is love demonstrated in behavior that echoes the truth, humbly yet forcefully, recognizing and celebrating nothing less than the full humanity of each of us. I began this sermon with a love story. I will end it the same way. But this ending love story isn't finished yet because it is the one that we are writing together right now, right here in this community. Our story will be a love story indeed if we dare to take Jesus seriously 
and let him write a new commandment on our hearts. Fortunately or not, Jesus doesn't provide us with an explicit instruction manual for how to go about writing our love story. What he does, though, is provide something far greater if we trust in the promise that through practicing this kind of love, we will be recognizable to the world as lovers of Christ and children of God. And that, as Absalom Jones and Richard Allen found out, is the kind of love story that can indeed change the world. May it be so.